0: What happened with the vendor prefixes is that they were supposed to be there for us just to try stuff out. Um, But like, they were there and it worked. And so, and and, and things stayed prefixed for too long. And so people started saying, well, hang on, these rounded corners work absolutely fine. And so I'm going to use the vendor prefixes.
1: Hello, Spacers, from Austin, Texas. I'm Christopher Schmidt, and on today's show, I'm talking with Rachel Andrew. Rachel spoke with us back in 2012 to talk about her book, CSS3 Anthology. Since then, she's continued to work on Perch, PHP CMS, speak around the world, and continue writing about web design. Lately, her focus in speaking and writing has been about the upcoming revolution and web page layout, notably with CSS Grids and Flexbox. In this episode, we dive into all those great topics and much, much more. Before we get started, some notes on where I'll be and some words from our sponsors. The CSS Summit is a three-day virtual conference focused on CSS and SaaS and the super-friend technologies like SVG, animation API, design systems, preprocessors, and much, much more. I'll be emceeing the whole event for over three days. You can pick up your early bird tickets right now at csssummit.com. Uber is giving me the opportunity to give you new riders $25 credit towards your first ride. You can claim your credit at Christopher.org slash Uber. Remember you can set it, forget it with a not breaking space show newsletter. Whenever the show is ready, you can have a new episode show up in your email box. Simply by signing up at newsletter.notbreakingspace.tv. As always, you can find show notes and links at notbreakingspace.tv and be sure to follow me on Twitter at teleject T E L E J E C T or try to be witty in spite of my own typos. As always, thank you for subscribing, liking, and telling others about Not Breaking Space Show on iTunes. Now, on with the show. Actually, when you ping me, which is which is fine, I, you know we whatever. I was actually going through research right now before the before we talked. I was like, we've had her on the show before. I was like, well, like how far like how far along was it? It was, like, it was like episode eight. And I was just like, wow, and we're up to episode uh eighty, eighty one right now. So it's right. been, yeah, so it's been a while. But it's been but it's great because I like it when people come back and uh' it usually means they've been doing some more stuff. And, and I think in in your case you've been doing a lot of stuff
0: since we yeah, yeah I do a lot of stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and I was I think you've written more books than I have. So, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> so, so, um, your latest book is, um, was for taking over for Jeremy Keith. Yes. For, yeah. For what, what book was that? Like what's the official title for it?
0: Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is still html 5 for web designers.
1: Okay. Okay, cool. And how's the process for that one?
0: Um, that, uh, yeah that kind of works okay because I think Jeremy and I have very similar sort of outlooks on things um so yeah it, it kind of was okay it was it was difficult to know where to sort of make my voice rather than jeremy's voice, and there's these sort of points where it was very opinionated, and then it's kind of even if I agreed it seemed weird oh yeah um they so it's work. kind of more of a writing challenge than than anything just trying to make the two sound okay and, and um, the editors over at book apart as well, sort of streamlined that a bit and picked up on where it was a bit awkward and, and what have you.
1: So what type of uh, updates did you need to put into like, what like what type of things have changed since. Jeremy yeah,
0: well, quite, I mean, quite a lot. And a lot of it really was more to do with the fact that when he first wrote the book, a lot of this stuff was really very, very new and you were kind of like, well, should I even be using this at all? And of course, at this point, html5 is just what we use right. and you know all, all of those things that i mean yeah, you know, there's a whole section about html5 video about how marvelous it would be when we could use it um and you know just just things like that which which needed just update to say yes yes and we can use it and here's how and he, here's all the issues around it so it was that kind of stuff really um right. just just sort of bring it up to date but it, i mean an awful lot of it stood the test of time, I think. And in terms of the approach, um, and obviously, uh, you know, Jeremy and, and myself are very keen on a sort of progressively enhanced approach to things. So, you know, a, an awful lot of the advice there still stood, which I think it does when you work in that way.
1: Yeah, it just it just seems like you just need to say like, oh, well, cool. this this is uh, you know, it worked, and and up being the code, and all this. So, it seems like a simple, a simple update, but yeah. So so the new book is out, so you have a new book um and then your perch how has, been, how has perch we 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 at e four h we worked with you guys to do the perch summit and mm-hmm. um so how, how has perch since i, know, I think we talked like two years ago if not more.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm not sure whether we would even got launched Runway by then. So we've we've got Runway as well, which is a sort of bigger version, kind of Perch reimagined for developers, essentially. So it's a bit more of a developer version of Perch. Um, For people who don't know Perch, it's designed as a sort of small, simple CMS, mainly for web designers to drop into their projects. Um, So Runway is a bit more complex and for bigger content-driven sites. And we've also just launched Perch Shop, which is a full e-commerce add-on for Perch and Runway. Um, which has really almost as much code in it as the main product and is a free add on for those products. Oh. So, yes. Wow.
1: That's, so, so as a developer, what does Runway give me that earlier? Like, that regular perch doesn't give like me?
0: Right. So regular Perch is pretty much if you've built a website and the client says sort of at the last minute, oh, I'd like to be able to edit this website. You're going to be able to take your HTML pages and sort of drop a CMS into them. I mean, people do build, a lot of people build sites from the ground up using Perch, but it's very much, here's some web pages, I want to make them editable. So you can add new pages, but it's, it's relatively simple. Whereas Runway is a bit more of a typical CMS approach where it kind of takes over your whole site okay. um, and has routing built in. Um, but we also have things like collections of structured content. So instead of being page-based, you can just create a whole bunch of content and then reuse it around your site, which okay. I think is more of a, a bigger site thing, really.
1: And what type of features are in purchase shop?
0: So Perch Shop does all your standard sort of um, e commerce type stuff. I mean, it has the same structured content template-based approach that Perch does. So you can describe your products, whatever they might be, in any kind of way. You don't have any uh, constraints. It doesn't sort of make you use a theme and just sort of try and tweak it a bit for your shop. It's totally up to you. Um, And, you know, sell things like downloadable stuff or let people subscribe to content um, as well as, E-commerce, general sort of shipping stuff, and we have things like shipping bans and location-based tax, mm. and all the kinds of things that you get into when you <laughs> when you say I want to build a shop. Um, it's incredibly complicated.
1: Yeah. So, yeah how long how long was that under under development?
0: Um, about about eight months development. Eight months. Um, we started off thinking we were going to use an API API-based service to do a lot of the kind of heavy lifting. And yeah. as we went down that line, it turned out that our customers really weren't that keen on having this other service. Yeah. And they wanted something that was just perch-like. Yeah. And there was also this situation where if there was any problems with the third party, yeah. we couldn't help. It was just like, well, it's them. And there's nothing we can do about that. And we hate that. We want, <laughs> we want to be able to help people. if people come into, in, into support and say, I'm having this problem because we're not reliant on anybody else, we can always say, okay, let's look at that and let's see if we can fix it. Right. Um, whereas we couldn't when we were relying on someone else. So yeah, we ended up building the full thing, uh, which is what we had never intended to do. Uh, but it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it, it's something we knew about. We'd done a lot of e-commerce in the past for clients. Um, but there's a huge difference in building something that will work for any type of shop than building something specific for one client. Um, so, yeah, it's been fun.
1: <laughs> so, um, yeah, because I guess you're like you're beholden to your brand in some ways because they're like, we want a shopping solution that's as easy or as fun or as, mm. as purchase. And so you have to like, oh, okay, well, I guess we're the build it.
0: You know? Yeah, exactly. I mean which We tried sort of backing on other things, you know, using sort of hosted cart services and just to give people some way of doing this stuff. And, yeah, they they always felt like, sort of second-class solutions. And, yeah, and so it was becoming more and more people are wanting to sell stuff, you know, whether it's just selling some e-books or mm-hmm. whether it's rolling out a full a full e-commerce store. Um, and so I think, you know, we've got a, a great solution. There's always more you can do with this stuff. Um, and we've got this sort of roadmap online, which people are uh, giving us suggestions and we are letting people vote up what, what they'd like to see us do next. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that's kind of good fun.
1: So, so I remember you, I think it was you, make sure, let me know. That's right. Um, complaining about VAT tax and trying yes. to get that set up because they – um, as an American, can you explain what VAT tax is and what the headaches are involved in that?
0: Right. So this specifically was the the change to how the EU, the European Union, deal with, with VAT. Um, essentially, VAT is a sales tax, so you have to – if you sell stuff um, – you have to register for, for VAT over when you're selling over a certain limit. And so you have to charge this. It's 20% in, in the UK. Um, but everywhere in Europe has their own amount that they charge. So like in Germany, it's 19%. Now, it used to be that you always charged VAT based on where you were. Mm. So if I sold something to anyone in Europe um, and they weren't a registered business with their own VAT ID, because at that point, they you don't have to charge them VAT, but... I would always charge UK VAT, so I would always know VAT was 20%. Mm -hmm. Now I need to charge it at their rate. So if if I sell a copy of Perch to someone in Germany, I have to charge them 19% VAT. And not only that, I have to log the proof that they are in Germany, which, of course, as a digital purchase is really, really hard. Um, I have to have two types of proof to show that that's why I've charged the 19% VAT.
1: So yeah, and, it, okay. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah,
0: yeah and then I have to pay the VAT that I have collected from the German to the German tax authorities, <laughs> and that has to happen all over Europe.
1: Uh, that's amazing. Um, so, what are your two pieces of proof, like, if if I'm in Germany and I buy something like digitally from your store, like what's the two pieces of proof?
0: Well, so business address is normally okay. Um, uh, of course, people can lie. Um, the, what we do is we collect as much as possible. So we collect um, their address in their account, which is why you'll find European companies tend to ask you for your address when you buy from them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because we need to know it. Um, so we, that. we also get the IP address and geocode it, which of course they could be spoofing it, but most people don't. So we've, we get the IP address. And um, the, we then also get back from, from the gateway. So whether that's PayPal or Stripe or whatever, we'll get back the card address. So we essentially get three bits. And as long as we've got two that match, uh-huh. we're okay. But we do get the situation where, you know, someone with a French company address is currently in Germany, um, but they've got a card registered in the UK. We do get three non-matching ones occasionally, but not that often. We can normally get two. Um, and so, so Perch Shop stores that too.
1: So what's a cascade uh, fight on that one? On you have, uh, you have three countries, which one wins out?
0: um well then you have to contact your customer officially and say <laughs> have we charged you the right that we we always go from what they gave us we assume okay. that they're not lying in their company address because right. certainly for purchase licenses it's less likely they're going to do that um but it is really difficult it's been an absolute nightmare for particularly people selling it caught up all these people who like sell a few knitting patterns online
1: yeah
0: you know who aren't really proper businesses you know not businesses in the sense that we are where, you know, our entire income is is in terms of this. So it's right. it's been an absolute mess. Um, and other countries around the world are doing the same thing is the worrying thing. They're basically saying, ah, oh, well, if if you sell to our citizens, right. then we want we want the tax. Um, and I think at the moment, you know, people in America, I mean so like our competitors at Perch, you know, other CMS solutions that are based in the States basically ignored this issue although they are supposed to everyone is supposed to be paying tax to the eu which of course no one in america is unless they're a huge company and and would get chased because like why would you i mean <laughs> but it's happening it is happening worldwide um i think australia are now planning on doing or they already are maybe doing something um right. so you know it, it i think this is going to be an ongoing issue um and and uh hey i don't know if you know but the the um UK is currently voting as to whether we're going to leave the EU Um, and it wouldn't make any difference if we did because we'd still be liable for this and they'd already know about people like us. So yeah, there's no, it's, it's craziness.
1: (laughs) I mean, like, and what, what would happen if we didn't have the technology to track all that, right? Like just to track all that record keeping, right? Like how would, how would small businesses keep up with that? So, well
0: it's I say it's it's not easy for a lot of small businesses as it is. I mean, because most of the sort of solutions out there don't really handle it that well. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, we had I mean how we sell perch, you know, we have we've got our own back end infrastructure for, for selling perch and we knew about this situation. But even so it's very, very difficult to to get all this stuff in place. Um Yeah, it's it, it's just another thing that makes it difficult it's not been aimed at small businesses it was aimed at like amazon Mm. basically to stop amazon locating themselves in a place with a low vat rate Mm -hmm. and and be able to then sell things cheaper than than companies that are actually in those countries um so it was i the idea of it was to catch big companies what it's actually done is it's Really, really damaged tiny companies, right. um, and and in fact sent a lot of them to people like Amazon to sell their stuff via Amazon. Because if you sell a few eBooks and that's all you sell, yeah. you're better off not self-publishing them, you know, and selling it from your own site. You're better off actually going just through the Kindle yeah. route or whatever,
1: right? So um, so because then off. they
0: deal with the tax.
1: Yeah, so it kills our small businesses.
0: Yeah, it, yeah, it's been incredibly right. damaging.
1: Yeah, so it's yeah. I mean, politicians, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: Yeah, where's where's our island of geeks that we can all just go and live on? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: yeah, and then uh I every once in a while someone in America brings up the VAT tax for America, like to get our own VAT tax, you know, just it's like uh that, that's just a pain of hurt. It's a pile of hurt and yeah. you know, won't go down. So
0: Yeah, but you you have state sales tax and things, don't you as well? So that's that's another thing. So.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, so oh, yeah, I have to tell you my story about city sales tax. Which is, uh, so we have state tax, mm-hmm. and then unless you live in a state, like, unless you live in, like, four or five states, there's no state taxes. But then you have to pay, like, you know, probably, like, your housing taxes or whatever like that. So um, I'm not an expert in taxes, but this is what he <laughs> But my story is that I lived in Cincinnati for for a while, and in Ohio it has a state tax. Um, I have to pay federal taxes, of course, every year. So a uh, city of Cincinnati has a sales tax right and so but they get that on the pay payroll of your paycheck right so your your employer is responsible for paying your city tax so you have to be right. employed right so which is crazy you know because you don't really like you don't really see that you're paying a city's tax until you're actually employed yeah. or whatever so but uh and so you don't really get to see that you're paying taxes so get paid whatever what have you and Everyone usually gets paid direct deposit most of the time, but whatever, what have you? Um, but being self-employed in Cincinnati, um, and I, I have a I have a vendor that does my payroll and all my taxes. I don't really because I that I, I really work on web stuff. That's just me. I don't. Know. So so I get a letter in the mail saying, "Hey, welcome to Cincinnati. Uh, you've been here for a while. I just want to let you know that uh, you know the federal year happened, and so send the pay taxes but hey did you know that you live in Cincinnati and we have city taxes like it's a great it's a great letter to get in your, in your mailbox right <laughs> it's like hey by the way and uh, and so not many people realize that so what you need to do is send us money basically basically this <laughs> is and uh, and by the way we realized you're not in our system as of uh, last year you're just like some you're this new person who just showed up you know, not like, Hey, congratulations. happy, You know, congratulations for being alive. I know uh, nothing like, or welcome. Like, just like, so what you need to do is send us taxes for last year. <laughs> and so uh, this is, so can you call up, uh, can you call us up and, um, or no, just not going to call us up. Just, just send us your tax information and write us a check. Or if you feel like this is an error, um, let us know. Right. And I was just like, okay so uh so this is form this is like okay so what do you need to do and so it's like okay so what you need to do is, is tell us uh if you paid your uh, taxes last year uh let send them in if not okay it's like okay fine but i lived in a place that didn't have taxes that i needed to send off so it's like okay so if you um lived in a place that didn't need to send in taxes um what you need to do then is send us proof that you didn't live here. So basically they they said like, can you actively uh, prove a negative? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I just like, it's like, so, so that's where we come to like, okay. So, uh, <sighs> and so I called them up. I was like, Hey guys. And I got this nice old lady, just nice old lady. just like, you know, I just picture my brain, like white hair lady, <sighs> just, just working for, you know, just nice part, you know, maybe job that she gets, you know, eight to five, whatever. And she's just like, and I'm here just like, Hey, like, how do you prove a negative <laughs> to the government? <laughs> and so I was like, "Well, it says here, and I give the, the form number." I said, "Like, this is the form number I'm looking at. This is what I'm looking at." How do I was like, "Well, do you have uh, your utility bill from last year?" Like, why would I keep my utility bill from last year in a state I don't live in anymore? It's like, um, okay, uh, do you have uh, your driver's license? Well, I move states. And you can't own, you can't have two states' driver's license at the same time. You have to free <laughs> it. So, and then and I was like, okay, well, do you have a, a voter ID? Like, again, it's, it's a federal crime <laughs> to, to be registered in two states. So I really don't have my voter card from the previous place I lived in. And then at the end of this list was like comma, et cetera. It's like, well, well what can I help you with? Yeah, what's the comma, et cetera? Because I want know what other pieces of information that I can use to prove. And so I just mean, it's just, you know, it's really, well, I, I want to pay the taxes if I need to, but I just you know, but anyway, it's yeah, just, well, that, it, that's,
0: that's it. Yeah. That, that is always it. It's like, I don't have any problem with paying taxes. I just want <laughs> to know what I'm supposed to pay and that I'm not <laughs> going to get in trouble for not paying something that I didn't know about sure. it's like I got, a, so I got a letter from the Irish government. And for everyone, everyone registered for VATMOS got a letter from the Irish government with like some outlandish amount of money they reckoned we owed. It was a complete error. But of course, threw people into massive panic. And I think uh, Anna Debenham got one as well. And like I got one for like, I don't know, it was like 100,000 euros or something like that. I'm like, I d- I've not sold that many copies to Perch to Ireland. <laughs> you know? I mean, normally my, my return I have to fill in for each country. It'll be, you know, it will be like... Um, you know, 91 pounds have to go to germany and then they'll be like you know three pounds 63 to the ukraine or something yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like a
1: thousand dollars
0: yeah it was it was a complete mistake but of course just panicked all these people who you know suddenly thought they were going to get chased by the irish government it, yeah it's craziness
1: yeah it's like, like i would love to pay that much taxes because that means i made that much money <laughs> yeah like, exactly like, yeah if, if i'm
0: getting tax bills like that yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh man. All right. Well we can talk about taxes all day, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> like an interesting podcast. Um also just wanna talk about your speaker. You're like you are everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I was like, you remember like CSS Summit back in the day and and um um and uh now you speak for uh at event parts Um I think you're on World Tour for year two, <laughs> or at least three or three or whatever. I'm not sure. So which yeah, I feel
0: for
1: of that, which is great. I think you're a great speaker. Of, like, I would always love having you at, at Renton Humans events, and so, and uh, so it's whenever I see you around, seeing so your your tour, and, like you're traveling, I was just like, it's awesome. So it's, it's awesome. So if you, so everyone listening, definitely catch uh, catch Rachel wherever you can. So, but yeah, but how is the life of a speaker like that? Because you, you I just just for people who are also speaking just or like people who don't know just like how much traveling do you do a year right
0: um i think it was around 30 events last year um and they do tend to be clustered so you end up with you know as you get this sort of at the moment we're coming to the end of the kind of spring conference season and then you get into the summer and so fewer places in the northern hemisphere have conferences because everywhere's expensive it's expensive to fly people around Um, And then you tend to get another batch in the autumn. And this summer, I'm actually going to um, Australia to do Web Directions Code. Uh, So I'm I'm, I'm actually doing a summer one, which I'm really looking forward to. That'll be a great event. Um, But yeah, then there's a a little set in the autumn. So I tend to link these things up. So Mm -hmm. earlier in the year, I sort of arrived in Canada. I went to Montreal for Kung Fu. um, And then I I went down and did Fluent in San Francisco. And then I went to Nashville. Uh, and then I went and flew back to the UK from there. Mm-hmm. So I'll tend to do them in little batches and go from one to the other if I can, because mm-hmm. that makes the travel a bit less, um, rather than sort of flying out to the states, doing four days and then coming back to the UK, which is a bit yeah. hard work,
1: a bit crazy. Yeah. So, well, speaking of, like so, like taxes, like how how is international flights and flying in and out of USA and all that stuff.
0: Uh, generally i mean i i, I don't really have I, I sit and work on planes so i get on the plane i mean I, I will like sit on the plane it's 10 hours to san francisco i will do 10 hours of work like, <laughs> i'll just sit and work so it doesn't particularly bother me sort of in terms of productivity i can still get stuff done i'm very organized about like having stuff i can do offline we don't have internet on the on the long flights over from from the uk so it's pretty much all offline time but that's okay if you just make sure you've got whatever you need, you know, already on, on your laptop and, and just get on with it. So you have um, the whole
1: Google on your laptop? Because I would be looking <laughs> up stuff all the time
0: on Google. I mean, I, mean, I, I tend to just work out what I'm going to do. So, for instance, I've been doing a lot of work with CSS Grid, so I'll make sure I've got like, the latest copy of the spec, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in fact, I turn them into eBooks. I, I uh, use Pandoc to turn CSS specs into ePubs, um, mm-hmm. which I can then refer to on my iPad. So, I could, so like before, usually in the airport lounge, I get the latest copy, turn it into a new pub, dump it on my iPad, then I've got it to refer to. Oh, nice. Um, so that, I do that quite a lot. Um, <laughs> and yeah, just making sure I've got got stuff offline, um, yeah, that I might need to look up. Because yeah, you spend so much time Googling otherwise, and then you're like, ah, no, my computer's <laughs> broken. <laughs> yeah, okay. But it, it is about, yeah, I, I, I put stuff into OmniFocus under a context of um, offline and store with it anything that I need then to to achieve that. Um, so if I have to get, you know, drag something down off the internet or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, make sure I get pulled on anything I'm working on and all that sort of stuff before I, before I uh, lose connectivity. So,
1: yeah. so you you're, uh, use OmniFocus, you're dedicated... Like I, I try on focus every like three months and I just like it gets so overwhelming to pour stuff into OmniFocus. I think that just Yeah. And I just get like, oh really have to pour this stuff. So I, I love I love what it could potentially do, but uh are you just a are you a diehard omnifocus user?
0: Yeah, I mean, it really suits. I I pretty much think in sort of structured data so OmniFocus works for me because I can categorize and nest things and put things into folders and and like yeah and I have all sorts of strange things when people see what I've got set up like my email client all mirrors my OmniFocus folder structure as well which means that I can never change email clients because it's <laughs> a nightmare um yeah like other people search I never use search on anything I, I just don't search my computer um because I know where everything is oh, man. <laughs> It's like yeah, I'm 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 like have this, all this sort of strange structure of stuff and things move in and out of different folders and yeah, right. OmniFocus okay. lets you do that. It lets you it lets you create a system, okay. um, with m- much more than anything else. Does other things kind of impose their way of doing stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, so OmniFocus was the first thing that let me get away from having this stuff on bits of paper,
1: yeah,
0: because I, I could actually create the system that I wanted to use with it. Um, yeah no matter how crazy it looks to the rest of the world, uh, I know what I'm doing.
1: <laughs> yeah. A piece of paper is so on point. Cause I have so many pieces of paper on my desk right now with all my to do's scattered all over the place. So, yeah. So,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, no, I, I, I really like it, but I think a, a lot of people prefer something that's a lot simpler if, you know, but I have so many different projects. I mean, you know, I'll often have 60, 70, unique projects, you know, I'd, so I do right. the whole GTD thing of making every sort of thing that has multiple steps into a project. Right. Um
1: Do you mind if I ask you like, how do you have your project set up? Cause like I used to um, have like set up the home work and then, but then my, like, I don't know. It's like hobbies, I guess. I don't know. Like, And then I would have subset projects of that. And then, but those, is that a good way of doing it? Like, like how do you have your,
0: no, I I don't tend to make much of a difference between anything that I do, whether it's kind of home or because I work from home, you know, right. yeah. so it doesn't. So I use context for where I am is more important. So, yeah, so either this is something I need to do at my desk. In fact, I distinguish between like at my desk at home, which has, you know, I've got a nice big monitor. I've got all my sound equipment. So I've got, you know, so there are different things I can do there than I can do on the road easily. Uh, so even if I've got good internet, I don't have, you know, i am on a 13 inch MacBook pro, I don't have, um, you know, all my recording equipment and so on. So I, that's a context. So it's more that, so a project might have things in it that I can do in one context and not in another. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, or it might have things that where I actually have to like go and like meet someone, you know, heaven above, you know, actually getting face to face with someone. (laughs) Um, so it is more, so I tend to have a fairly flat structure in terms of, what the projects are, and not really worry too much about whether it's essentially personal or essentially work or whatever it is, because it's all life, isn't it? Really,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, um, yeah, yeah I, I think, I think yeah. I'm just still stuck in you know 1980s 70s model of just like hey, we have to I work and then I I have to go to work, but yeah, was, I love the whole idea of context because I guess that context, just. I guess I should move that as a priority. I think I'll do that next time, I, I, I my next two months.
0: Yeah, and a good context to have is like, you know, a sort of a context, you know, when you're tired or like, I think mine just says brain dead, you know, it's when like you just, you like, you need to work, you're like, you know, you sat in front of this, but you can't do anything useful because you're just so tired, you're jet lagged or you're not that well. And you, I have a bunch of stuff which is like usually really boring things. So it'll be like going and reconciling a bunch of stuff in the accounts. It doesn't need a lot of thought. Mm -hmm. it's not it it just needs doing um you know uh, there's always stuff like that and so i tend to so rather than burning up days when i'm feeling really energetic and positive and Mm -hmm. with it with all this mundane stuff i keep that for the days when yeah i just don't feel so great um and also that stuff you tend to be able to pick at you know you're sort of sat in a cafe waiting for someone to turn up for a meeting and often pick at that sort of stuff and get bits knocked off
1: oh nice okay so there's a brain dead option.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really useful because there's always that stuff and you can sort of put it there. for.
1: Okay. That's awesome. That's a, that's a great tip. I expect the OmniFocus uh, book any minute now.
0: <laughs> I think I think only only for OmniFocus with people with brains like mine, which is probably <laughs> not for a very, very specific audience.
1: <laughs> uh, I guess that's me. And I guess that's all right. But uh, uh, I want to write as many books as you can. Uh, so yeah. So definitely want to talk about... Um, You've been doing a lot of talk, talks about the new CSS layouts, mm-hmm. CSS Grid, and CSS Flexbox. And so I have notes. <laughs> CSS Grid and CSS Flexbox, are there any types of new specs that are being worked on right now of that deal with layout that we should be concerned about?
0: Um, I mean, that's, that, those, those are the main... Two and there's, I mean, alongside that, there's um, a spec called box alignment level three, which essentially takes the alignment stuff out of Flexbox and then it can be used in other places. So, um, grid's actually one of those places that it's going to be used in. So, you know, all the nice alignment stuff, being able to vertically align things, being able to space things out, um, all of that stuff is part of the box alignment module.
1: Um, so, so, basically, you're we're going to take Flexbox and push it into Grid. Is that pretty
0: much it? A lot of the stuff, yeah. I mean, there's actually, in the, in the Grid spec, there is a note saying that, you know, if there are differences between Flexbox and this kind of behavior, that's probably a bug. Because really, I think what people are going to find is if they've got a solid understanding of Flexbox, they'll find a lot of the Grid stuff relatively straightforward very similar ways. Um, I mean, even things like the fraction unit stuff we have in Grid, Um, works very similarly to how like flex grow and flex basis behave um in flexbox um you know so i think having that understanding and when i when i workshop this stuff i teach flexbox first i can then directly refer on and say okay so you know how this works and so in grid it's it's the same it's just that it's two-dimensional now you're working in rows and columns at the same time Uh, so there's obviously new stuff that deals with that but um yeah there's a lot that's, that's the same and that's but you know we've got this this sort of modular system now of, of specifications so we can say well this is how we're dealing with alignment and this is how we're dealing with um you know content distribution and any specs that come along should be working in the same way rather than everything having its own special way of doing things all Right. okay
1: all right i guess we should back up just one second then is this um to say, what is the difference between grids and Flexbox? Like, what would you say?
0: Uh, well, it's essentially, it's it's whether you're working in one dimension or two. So Flexbox works in one dimension. You're either laying things out in a row or you're laying them out in a column. Um, and the sort of obvious example of that is, you know, if you lay things out in Flexbox and you've got, I don't know, sort of like three things and then it wraps and then you've got two things on the next line and they kind of split the content and you end up, you can't line them up underneath the other ones. Um, that's because you're essentially working what in a line at a time. Mm-hmm. So the content distribution happens over that line. Um, whereas with grid, you're creating a two-dimensional grid and then you're putting content into it. And so you've got control of both rows and columns at the same time.
1: So the um, horizontal and the vertical. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and and it's kind of a new way to think of it is is Flexbox is very good if you want to let the content um kind of control the sort of spacing so you're saying oh i've got a bunch of navigation items and what they're all different lengths but i just want the space between them to be the same Mm -hmm. um you know for that to be evenly spread out now flexbox is great at that because you can kind of work from the content out whereas with grid you're sort of saying this is my grid and the 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 content if you just flow it into the grid it's just going to go sell 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 and then Mm -hmm. you know and, and you've got a sort of control over the main the major grid but not so much over the individual bits of content unless you start manipulating them and saying, oh, you need to span two or whatever. Um, So, yes, there's kind of a couple of different reasons why you'd use one or the other. Uh, I think in reality, as once we get our hands on both as a sort of system, we're going to be finding, you know, as we go along, which is is best for different jobs.
1: I guess I'm kind of of floored because, like, Flexbox was, you know, I remember Tab, you know, back in the... You know, when he was talking about Flexbox, he would just say like, "You definitely just do want to use it just for um, menus, you know, f- like photo galleries and stuff like that." Mm-hmm. And then, but I think Flexbox is out of the gate is supported by more browsers right now, right?
0: Oh yeah, well that's yeah. it. I mean, we don't have we don't have grid support out from behind a flag yet, and yeah. um, it's a shame the two couldn't have come along mm-hmm. together. Um, I think the thing is that when when Grid lands, it's going to land pretty much cross-browser because everyone's implementing. And they're all, you know, and you can try all the examples I've got for Grid. You know, you can try them out in different browsers and they'll, you know, once you've enabled the flag, they'll work. Um, So I think unlike Flexbox, Flexbox sort of came out in bits and it changed and it was all really hard work because then you've got several versions of Flexbox and which one am I working with and, oh, that's horrible. That isn't going to happen with Grid because all the changes have happened behind the browser flags. I mean, yeah. it's changed massively. And if you just go back to, like, my old blog post, you'll find all the different syntax and all the different ideas and um, where things were added. Um, right. And But that's all happened sort of away from people using it in production. Uh, so, I mean, it really goes down to the developing with vendor prefixes or developing behind browser flags. You see the difference of those two approaches with with the stories of Flexbox. Right. Um, so, Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I just bring it up because I'm worried that we might just, uh, um, about people using Flexbox to lay out whole entire pages.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I think we're, we're going to see that. And I think that what will happen is once people actually get their hands on Grid, and what happens when I workshop this stuff, and I, you know, that most people have encountered Flexbox, they understand some of it, you know, and we sort of go through everything. Then when I show them Grid, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, that's the missing bit. This is the missing layout thing that, it solves the things that Flexbox doesn't because it does the things that Flexbox hasn't been designed to do um, and at the moment people are trying to hack their way around the things that Flexbox isn't designed to do
1: does, does Flexbox solve the problem of positioning elements like vertically like centrally in a center like uh you know just just putting things in a center is that, would that, that, is that the the solution that we have like that's going forward like
0: yeah, well, both and, and those things are what's defined in, in box alignment. So ultimately, mm-hmm. other types of layout could do the vertical centering thing. There's no reason why it needs to be only flexbox and grid. Right. Um, but yeah, you can do exactly the same as you can do with flexbox. You know, with with align and align content and justify content and so on um, mm-hmm. to to center things properly from right. every direction. <laughs>
1: right. So, so there's no need to like do all these big hacks. We just like oh, flexbox. We just
0: no, it, it, it really does make such a difference when you... I mean, I prototype using Grid quite a lot and then yeah. I just rebuild it um, because it's just so nice to be able to easily like move things around, see how they're going to work responsibly. Um, mm-hmm. I, mean, I think the other thing we're going to find is that we are far less reliant on media queries and, on, oh, yeah. and kind of specifically worrying about where things are at different breakpoints because both Flexbox and Grid... A kind of responsive by default. That's how okay. they work, you know. Um, so already with Flexbox, you know, you just sort of say, you know, um, space between uh, just items, and everything spreads out, and you don't have to think, oh, at narrow breakpoint, should I change that value? Because it just works okay. and it's responsive. Um, and so that's the same with Grid. You know, you're able to align items and groups of items and things. Um,
1: right. So, but like to do media query less responsive design so, like so that that's
0: oh yeah very much so i think and i think you can already do that quite a bit with flexbox if you if you're yeah. sort of careful um and and yeah i mean a, a lot more again again with grid there's loads of ways to you know you can have um grid tracks that change in quantity depending on how wide the browser window is for instance you don't need to use media queries for that um so yeah there's loads loads of cool stuff because these things have come about since responsive design was a thing yeah, uh, so that they're in that world.
1: <laughs> one of the things that Jen, some of the shows is trying to get away from the kind of boring, bland. If I could put words in my mouth, uh, just you know, kind of layouts that we see every day, or that you know, just you know, there's there's always that thing right now going with like how layouts are. You know which which layout mobile layouts are you using? Are you using the one with yeah. big pictures or you're stacking content? with maybe two things side by side or whatever and that's it you know and with you know so it's kind of like and to a point that's a really kind of generic website but mm. what's it looking but uh, it's, it's hard to you know build for so many devices and have things be mm. consistent without relying on you know you know 45 degree angle like uh, nine degree angles and and trying trying to
0: yeah, and I think it, it's it's understandable. I think there's this sort of reliance on frameworks and things because actually layout at the moment is really hard mm-hmm. because we're trying to use things that were never designed for what we're using them for.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I mean, you know, people say, to me, oh, you know, oh, should I use display table or should I, should I? It seems like a hack. I'm like, it's all a hack. It is all it is all a massive hack. Anything that you're doing for layout at the moment is, is hacking things that were never designed for that. Um, so use the things that work um and and we're, we're getting into a better place you know yeah. use things that don't cause anyone any problems you know don't don't uh, create an inaccessible mess but but do what works and then you know overwrite it as, as we're going forward with with flexbox and with grid and and you know use the use the cool stuff um and i think you know give it a couple of years we're going to be able to start having you know say very simple layouts which we then enhance with with flexbox and grid right. um, you know, so I, I think things are getting better, and browsers update so quickly now. It, it we, we're in a much better situation than we were.
1: Right. Well, that's that's one thing. I, as an author, I want to ask you, like, how do you handle, like, because back in the early days, we would just say, like, hey, Netscape Four supports X Y Z. Do you just even bother, like, saying which browser supports what, or
0: no? Because I, I think as well, I think that's kind of an outdated way of looking at things. Anyway, yeah. I don't, I don't think in a sort of a world of evergreen browsers, you can't be assuming that this will have or that will have support for anything it's best to assume that you know there are going to be things that don't there are going to be things that do um test for it i mean we you know we've got at supports um a a lot of browsers now support that so you can do essentially like modernizer type stuff directly in your css um and certainly for things like grid there's not going to be a browser that supports grid and doesn't support supports so, so you can use that to test. And if you've got grid, well, then you can do grid things. And if you haven't, well, then whatever you've used before, that'll that'll come into play. Uh, and I think that's how you need to think about building. We're very, very much past this. I'm targeting X browser, and and I think mm-hmm. the quicker people can really get away from thinking like that and just think about making the best experiences for whatever device someone's got in front of them. And that's you know right. that's the way to go.
1: I think Maya may mentioned that. But like, when do you think? This is great to be stable. Well, Uh, I think with it, yeah. (laughs)
0: Um, Well, essentially, I think what's really happening is that because of the way Flexbox developed and and got out there and then changed, no one wants another one like that.
1: Just yeah, I know.
0: So, so I think really what we're waiting for is for the spec to essentially be finished and not going to have any more changes. I think that's that's fairly close. Um, And and then browser vendors are going to feel confident to ship their implementations, which, you know, if if people haven't looked, you know, if you, you know, enable the web platform features flags or download, um, you know, like the Safari technology preview or or whatever, um, you know, it's all there, you can play with it, you can do all sorts of stuff. So I think it won't be too long once, once it's sort of declared pretty much, you know, there and and they can feel confident.
1: So is, is feature flag the replacement for vendor prefixes?
0: Yes, essentially. Yeah.
1: Okay. So just, uh, um, so in the feature flag, is just you go into your browser and you just turn it off, turn on the feature. Is that, is that, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. I mean, generally, I mean, like in, in Chrome, for instance, there's experimental web platform features and you just turn on all the new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that'll be in regular Chrome. If you want the really, really new stuff, if you download Canary, you get, the really new stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, so things get into Canary first, and then if if they don't like explode in the shower of sparks, they'll end up in <laughs> in, in, in Chrome. Um, but yeah, you know, so it, there's a load of stuff then that, that gets in there that you can have a look at, and, and I mean that's that's the thing I, I keep telling people to do because only by looking at that stuff while it's in development, mm-hmm. that's when you get the chance to feedback. Um, and, you know, the, the CSS Working Group have moved their um, issue tracking and their discussion of issues to GitHub now. Right. So anyone can go along to GitHub if they're interested in the spec like Grid um, and raise issues against it and say, hey, you know, have you thought about this or this, this is happening? Um, and, you know, most of the browsers now, you know, they've got bug trackers that you can go along and you can actually log a bug against the browser and its implementation of something. Um, you know, whether that's something brand new or something that's been around for a while. So that's Kind of, we can all make the web a bit better. And I encourage people to do that, really. <laughs>
1: awesome. Yeah, I, I always get concerned because I feel like... Uh, I, guess my, I, I don't always get concerned but My concern is this, that vendor prefixes just allow for people who might not... I think it's just... It's, people just got used to using vendor prefixes as a way of, of testing out and using latest features. And mm. they might not be so aware of how to turn the flag off the vendor flag and something like, because I know yeah. I've done it once or twice, uh, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I'm usually kind of a stickler because, uh, of like I want to I want a browser that everyone else has. I don't I don't want a browser. Um, I get I'm okay to use extensions and stuff like that, but I want I want to surf the web that people have um, that are using it right now, just so I know what's what they're using. And so, um, which I probably should not. I probably should just mm-hmm. have like you know I should probably just have the latest canary and just you know just ride that high of had my browser explode with fireworks, you know? Like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that is the problem with the the what happened with the vendor prefixes is that they were supposed to be there for us just to try stuff out, um, yeah. but like they were there and it worked, and so and the, and, and things stayed prefixed for too long, and so people start saying, "Well, hang on, these rounded corners work absolutely fine," and so I'm yeah. going to use the vendor prefixes. Um, and, and put them into production code. And the problem with that then is when anything changes, it's breaking production code. Um, and people are then upset because, oh, you know, Chrome has broken my site because they've changed how Flexbox works or whatever. And it's like, well, these things are still in development. You know, they're not finished yet. Um, so this is the thing with putting things behind a flag. But then you have this, yeah, this problem where people then don't try them out. You know grid has been available in in chrome and in, in opera and you know, in blink for about well over three years i think now i've oh, wow. you know i've got examples that go about years um but i was the only person talking about it for a very very long time um it's only sort of recently that you know other people have started going oh yeah this is quite cool <laughs> and there's yeah which is great because then we get more people looking at it but um yeah i mean for a long time there was really nothing um, I've had Google alerts on people talking about grid for as long as I, cause that's what I do. If I'm interested in something, I'll set up, you know, Google alerts and, and see what people are saying and new articles and things. Um, and there was nothing. It was, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is so exciting and no one is talking about it. <laughs>
1: uh, so, so you were the canary in the coal mine then, so.
0: Like yeah, <laughs> yeah, like all oh, oh, like I don't know, someone crazy banging their head against a wall. But that's kind <laughs> of my place. <laughs> awesome.
1: And um, I will say, like, uh, you have um, you have a you have an ebook about grids layouts, right? Is it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You have an ebook about it, and then you also have a course.
0: Yes. Well, I and mean, generally about layout. I mean, um, I've always been fascinated by layout generally, yeah. um it goes right but i i when i was sort of early days of the web standards project the reason i became part of the web standards project was to be part of the Dreamweaver task force um yeah (laughs) so so yeah so i was interested i still am really in how you visually represent this stuff and how you let people build for the web without writing code and without writing css and and that was all interested me in dreamweaver i mean as as strangely as the code would end up. You know, it was just a, sort of interesting how you do that. And I think actually Grid gives us a lot of possibilities in that area as well, so. Okay.
1: awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, so definitely check out the books in, in eCourse if mm-hmm. uh, if you're interested in learning more because Rachel's a great speaker. She's a great writer. So, um, but yeah, I think... Uh, uh, is there anything else we should talk about Like that you're awesome at? Because I feel like... <laughs>
0: i'm not awesome at getting enough sleep that's something i'm not awesome at uh,
1: well you also run a lot too which is great because i do not run at all and i feel like i always see your uh, photos of, of you running and i think that's an inspiration for me to not be at my desk so as much as
0: possible well that, that's what i do because i travel i go to these places for you know two or three days sometimes And I would only ever see the airport, the hotel room, the conference center, except that I get up at five in the morning and I go for these runs and i take photos. So I run around all the tourist attractions and take photos. Um, So I get to see something of where I've been.
1: (laughs) Well, I was curious, like if you were kid, how did you get started running?
0: Um, It was actually the couch to 5K was the the original thing. Um, Because I was never, I did dance, I'm an ex-dancer. And so really at school, I didn't do any sport or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was pretty convinced I couldn't run and so I was well into my 30s before I started running and you know I've now done a marathon and I run half marathons fairly regularly Um, and yeah it's it's a nice thing to do if you haven't got a lot of time because you can stick your shoes on you can go out for half an hour or so Mm -hmm. and then be back you know in the shower and at your desk you can spend be out for just an hour yeah. whereas if you go into the gym or something it's a bit more of a hassle you know a lot yeah, of people have affect. to drive to the gym and you yeah. know and it's like it's expensive um, yeah so running's great it's because you can do running everywhere you don't have to go in the hotel gym which is been put together by someone who saw a picture of a gym once yeah oh my word hotel gyms um, <laughs> yeah it's yeah and okay, you see so, you know you get to see places
1: so cool yeah and josh clark is the one who started the uh to 5k yeah well
0: that's 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 so cool yeah, yeah we were um uh, at event park boston and uh, josh clark was there and, and drew runs as well and drew had come to event park with me yeah. um so it, drew had a photo of josh and it's like oh dear, josh was the the to 5k because so many people we know who aren't related to the web yeah. that's how they got started running you know
1: yeah yeah, I think it's. I think it's awesome. I've, I've like, I'll be focused. I have tr- failed, Couch 5K so many times. So, um, <laughs> so I want to try it. Try it again. So, but yeah, cool, awesome. And then, um, but yeah, um, your your inspiration. Thank you so much for being on the show today.
0: Oh, it has been been fun. <laughs> oh, cool, awesome.
1: And um, yeah, so uh, where can people find you on the internet?
0: Um, well, I'm on Twitter at Rachel Andrew. Um, and I'm in fact, I'm Rachel Andrew, most places. Um, so my, my personal site is rachelandrew.co.uk and you can find links from there really to everything that I'm currently up to.
1: Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the show.
0: Good speaking to you.